Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. This is an RNZ podcast. Hello, I'm Simon Morris. This is the movie downtime at the moment, that sluggish period between the Oscar and BAFTA season and the assault of the blockbusters in the northern summer. Already the trailers are coming thick and fast for Guardians of the Galaxy 3, Fast X. Fast and Furious has now switched to Roman numerals for some reason. And new outings for Mission Impossible and Indiana Jones. You've taken your chances, made your mistakes... Now, a final triumph. Indy! Give him hell, Indiana Jones! But meantime, the cinemas are mostly devoted to small affair. The good news, I suppose, is there's a lot of it. This week alone offers a pretty good sample of what counts as smaller movies in 2023. These include American art films, often about unhappy families. They usually arrive off the back of minor film festivals and go in for cryptic titles like, this week, Paper Spiders. Here are your meals. Here. Thank you. Well, that doesn't look safe. I'll have more cake. Thank you very much. It's loaded with saturated fats that clog your arteries. Paper Spiders' saving grace is interesting casting, as well as a heart in the right place, I suppose. Meanwhile, the rest of the world has a different attitude to festival films. They certainly show up their Western equivalence fixation on, shall we say, first world problems. I'm putting in a chase sequence. Uh, so the killer flees on horseback with the girl, the cops after them on a, on a motorcycle. And it's like a battle between motors and horses, like technology versus horse. Well, this week, a Dutch-Palestinian production is another deep dive into the intractable problems faced in the Middle East. Huda's Salon is another angle on a dispute that's been going since the Old Testament. Once again, no one comes out of it well, least of all the men of the region. I have to say, low-budget films have changed since the heyday of the old B-movie. There's certainly a hole in the market for cheap and cheerful thrillers that used to be a staple in seasonal downtimes. One, two, ten! (laughs) Keep the change, you filthy animal. Sometimes you find yourself hanging out for something new from the likes of Jared Butler, Angelina Jolie or even Jason Statham. Sadly, these days, action heroes tend to gang up in big-budget assortments rather than ride out solo. Tommy, I knew you would come for me. How about we all just start shooting each other? Time to end this. Let's dig some graves. Also missing in action are simple straight-ahead comedies. No wonder minor local outings like the endearing Red, White and Brass are doing so well. The studios seem to think we only want to be overwhelmed by comic book spectaculars. 
but I suspect just as many people simply want something entertaining. You can't beat a good laugh, they say, though at the moment you can't find a good laugh either. Think sunshine. It's the best, and the best is the people. Gorgeous Gerald, the physio, will be paying us a call. Oh, that's it. I'm definitely wearing my shorty nighty. Well, not unless you're part of the oldie demographic. There's been a solid parade of films featuring veteran performers this year. Hallelujah, Empire of Light and Living, though I'd describe them as bittersweet rather than knockabout hilarious. At least Dungeons and Dragons has got a few laughs in it. The Red Wizards created an army of the undead. Sounds lovely. Quite the opposite. I know I was being ironic. I find irony is a blade that cuts he who wields it most especially. You're not a lot of fun, are you? One thing guaranteed during movie downtimes is a fair amount of good old horror. Not a phrase I tend to use myself, I admit. Well, this week I had a choice. Choice A was the latest from the auteur behind Hereditary and Midsummer, Ari Aster. I am so sorry. For what your daddy passed down to you. But I wanted a child. The greatest gift of my life. I should confess that I wasn't a big fan of Hereditary, a disturbing tale of cults, violence and dismembering, starring Tony Collette. So when Midsummer turned up, featuring more pagan cults and even more violence, I passed. What I'm saying is, Ari's going to have to put some spade work in if he wants to convince me to pop along to Bo is Afraid. Hi, Carrot. It's Mom. I'm just calling to say that I'm so, so, so excited to see you tomorrow. You're my angel and I love you. Okay. I love you. Okay, bye, sweetie. I love you. Bo is played in various shapes and sizes, apparently, by Joaquin Phoenix. The potted description seems to go out of its way to include as many personal turn-offs as it can. Following the death of his mother, an anxiety-ridden man confronts his darkest fears as he embarks on a Kafkaesque odyssey. Feeling sad about going home, Bo? Must feel totally unreal. I don't know if that's going to happen. All this and added Supertramp, a 70s band I can frankly do without at the best of times. The final straw that turned me off, Bo is Afraid, I'm Afraid, was that it's almost exactly three hours long. Now, I'll take three hours of some things, but not an anxiety-ridden Kafka-esque odyssey, thanks. Why did you lie to me? Do you want the truth now? Which means that my dose of horror this week will come from Choice B, the old firm of Sam Raimi, Rob Tappert and Bruce Campbell. They've gleefully tossed another bunch of 80s-style evil dead at us. Evil Dead Rise may not boast pagan cults and Czech literary references, but it's got something else that money can't buy, a reasonable running time of just over an hour and a half. Not to mention a New Zealand angle. It was shot in Auckland, I believe. 
Well, speaking of New Zealand angles, the star of American independent drama Paper Spiders is Kiwi, if not born, then certainly bred. Stefania Levy-Owen. An amazing man could have written you, but you'll never know because you're being you. Well, if me being me is the problem, <laughs> then it's not meant to be. What? Despite having to commute regularly between New York City and Pawatahanui, Wellington, Stefania Levy-Owen has managed to rack up a pretty impressive CV, despite her tender years. It helps that she looks rather younger than those years, particularly in Paper Spiders, where she plays 17-year-old New Yorker Melanie. All we have left is each other. Love you, Mom. We meet Melanie and her widowed mother, Dawn, as they're shown around a California university. Melanie's excited, but Dawn is tense about it. Is Melanie ready to leave the family home for the other side of the country? Well, it turns out Melanie isn't the one to worry about. Mom, please don't ask me a million questions. Oh, come on now. Give me some credit. Hey! Hi. Does anyone call you Danny? Uh, not Where really, are your man, parents no. from? You don't have to... Dawn, played by indie queen Lily Taylor, gets increasingly neurotic. Not adorable New York movie neurotic like Mum and Ladybird. More you-need-help neurotic. And since Dawn won't go to a psychiatrist herself, Melanie has to report on her to the school counsellor. I'm here because of my mum. Me too. My hopes for the film were raised slightly with the hilariously self-absorbed Mr. Wessler. Me too. But sadly, those sorts of comic touches proved few and far between in Paper Spiders. The story starts when Dawn becomes convinced that the next-door neighbour is out to get her. She's always been quirky. I can't help it. I'm inquisitive. Maybe a little neurotic. It's loaded with saturated fats that clog your arteries. Oh. Bet nothing like this. What are you doing? Shh, shh, shh. The neighbor threw a rock at me. What? Melanie doesn't immediately see the signs. Maybe Mum's right. There are some creepy people out there. Why shouldn't the neighbor be one of them? Maybe paper spiders will turn into rear window. Melanie even compares notes with friends at school. Aren't you scared that he's going to murder you in his sleep and bury you in his yard? Oh, my God. Well, I wasn't until now. She thinks our neighbor is stalking her climbing on a roof. Every little noise she believes is an attack. She's paying me to follow him. When things escalate to the point where her mother hires a private detective, one she can hardly afford, by the way, Melanie starts to realise that things are getting out of hand. OK, Mum has a bee in her bonnet. What's the best way to talk her down? How do I convince my mom that it's all in her head? That's going to be hard. She's off the edge. Paper Spiders was made by husband and wife filmmakers Natalie and Enon Champignet, and predictably it's based on Natalie's real-life experience with her own mother. This means that the script follows many of the paths that I assume she did herself, like finding a nice, sensible Mr Wright to take Dawn's mind off things. Someone like Howard in this case. No, maybe don't bring this up to Howard. I tell it like it is. Right, so can you not tell it like it is?
Even if such a thing could help with Dawn, Melanie takes her eye off the ball when she becomes involved with her own potential significant other. His name's Danny. He's fresh out of rehab with rich, frankly useless parents. So, not Mr. Right then. There's a mistake waiting to happen. And all the time, Dawn is getting worse. Her relationship with the neighbour deteriorates even further. She gets fired at work. She doesn't trust anyone, not even Melanie. Whatever's wrong with her, it's clearly beyond the powers of well-meaning amateurs like Melanie's effects. I'm not going to sit back and do nothing. Do you have any idea what I'm going through? Did it even occur to you that I just got fired from my job? It's also, I have to say, a bit of a slog with well-meaning filmmakers who assume that because it's based on real life and they're telling it like it is, somehow that's the same thing as an engaging narrative. The acting is fine, by the way, led by the always reliable Lily Taylor and the one to watch Stefania Levy-Owen, another multi-syllable New Zealand star on the rise like Thomason Harcourt Mackenzie and Dwayne Wickman Evans Jr., I was sorry to see some of the other characters fade early in the film, though, to make room for more scenes between mother and daughter. Perhaps Paper Spiders needed a third writer, not quite so deeply invested in the real-life events, to give it a little more depth, and to suggest they maybe lose the title Paper Spiders. Huda's Salon takes place in Bethlehem in the occupied West Bank in Palestine. Outside that region, the setup of the movie requires a little more explanation. I imagine it needs none at home. In short, the town has been under Israeli rule since 1967, though the walls separating it from the rest of the country only went up in 2002. <laughs> The opening scene, an extraordinary 10-minute single shot, takes place at a hairdressing salon run by divorcee Huda. Her friend Reem has made an appointment for the first time in ages. Her husband won't let her out of his sight, she complains. He suspects she's having an affair. The sort of gossip, in other words, that goes on in salons everywhere. Except, unexpectedly, Reem feels faint and passes out. A young man comes out of hiding, and he and Huda take Reem out the back, where they strip her and take compromising photographs. Huda is about to blackmail her friend into spying for the Israeli Secret Service. Reem is bewildered and horrified. And we're on the back foot too. Why would a friend do such a terrible thing? 
Reem goes home in panic. Can she tell her husband Yusuf what happened and hope he believes her? Well, like most husbands in Middle East films, Yusuf doesn't seem someone whose support you can count on. But maybe he'll surprise us and break the mould. Meanwhile, Huda is about to get her own surprise. It seems she was already under surveillance by the Israeli Secret Service's sworn enemy, the Palestinian resistance. A squad invades the salon, arrests Huda, and prepares to interrogate her with extreme prejudice. So the film Huda's Salon, written and directed by the award-winning Palestinian Dutch filmmaker Hani Abu Assad, alternates between the fate of Huda at the Salon and that of Reem desperately trying to find a way out of her predicament. It feels at times like a good stage play. Abu Assad is very keen on long, dramatic shots, particularly for the interrogation scenes between Huda and her resistance captor, Hassan. It's clear that Huda's fate was pretty much sealed before they arrested her. The only question is, can they make her talk first? Meanwhile, Reem may not be in prison, but that's about all you can say for her. She's almost as little choice as Huda. She can't tell her husband Yusuf. Can she confide in her family? Can she simply take her baby and leave town? Except to do that, she needs a permit. And who gives out the permits? The Israeli Secret Service. The situation around Palestine has been so fraught for so long that all an outsider can do when confronted by a film like Huda's Salon is simply bear witness. We're told at the start of the film that it's based on real-life events, and sadly I have no reason to doubt it. Over the years, we've seen many films about the conflict there and the awful behaviour on both sides that continues to go on. That one side would resort to the blackmailing of innocent women, while another would insist on summary executions to stiffen their supporters' resolve, seems both evil and remarkably stupid to outsiders. But the social prejudices underpinning these actions, particularly the brutal violence and ingrained casual sexism in the region, are also relentlessly depressing. Huda's Salon is a thriller in a place with seemingly no way out. Look, 
Significantly, the problems faced by both Reem and Huda are almost entirely caused by men. It's admirable that such a film could be made very well by a man, but you wish that some of the men in the story could be allowed to behave with a bit of common decency. Of course, this story is based on real life, and Hani Abu Assad is simply telling it like it is. But in these often unpleasant times, reality and telling it like it is are starting to feel overrated. Back in the early 1980s, an entertaining, if gory, film called Evil Dead hit the video stores. It was promptly followed by Evil Dead 2, and a little less promptly by a third one called Army of Darkness. Unlike your usual splatter movie, the Evil Dead films were both blood-soaked and funny, particularly the performance of their lantern-jawed star, Bruce Campbell. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. This is my boomstick! Now, let's talk about how I get back home. Since then, it's been rebooted by its producer Rob Tappert and often shot in New Zealand, where he lives. Bruce Campbell is now executive producer, as is the original director, Sam Raimi. Which means the latest in the franchise, Evil Dead Rise, has a new director, Irishman Lee Cronin, new stars, Australians Lily Sullivan and Alyssa Sutherland, and a bunch of Kiwis in supporting roles. OK, so shall we begin? No matter how busy you ever got, you always found time for me. And I can't believe I'm never going to speak to you again. Calling Evil Dead a franchise is slightly flattering it. It's hardly a cinematic universe like Marvel's MCU or Tolkien's Middle Earth. With Bruce Campbell out of the picture, the Evil Dead elements are limited to the idea of an evil book, the Necronomicon, that causes demons to take over characters. And there's often a chainsaw somewhere in the proceedings. But what more do you need in 90-odd minutes of scary movie? Let's meet the Evil Dead Rise family. There are two sisters, responsible Ellie and rock and roll Beth. Ellie has three adorable kids, Bridget, Danny and Cassie. Beth is the unreliable aunt. Watch what happens. When I was just a little girl, I asked my mother... What is this, Danny? Well, the first thing that happens is Danny finds a mysterious book that's been safely locked away. What's it say on the front? Necro something or other? But before you can say, leave it alone, Danny, he's taken the book and a couple of vinyl records back up to the family flat. And then he plays the records. This evil creates terror through total chaos. Well, that doesn't sound good, but what he doesn't know is that Mum, Ellie, popped out that night to pick something up, and on the way back, something picked her up. Something demonic and bloody. It's me. 
Don't let her take my babies. Ellie has just long enough to tell Beth and the kids what's going to happen, and then it starts happening. Over and over it happens. The whole movie is essentially keeping Mum possessed by a demon outside the flat, while she keeps finding ways to get back in and cause mayhem. Open up now. You don't look so good, Mom. Nothing a big old kiss from you won't fix. And when she can't get in, she takes it out on the people in neighbouring flats. Out in the corridor, people keep popping their heads out of their doors saying, Hey, lady, what's going on? Not a recommended practice if you value your limbs and internal organs. All you can do is run. Now, I've mentioned a number of times in the past that I'm not exactly the target audience for films like Evil Dead Rise. When the fourth bucket of blood was cracked open about halfway through, it was hard to suppress the gag reflex. I'm getting this out of you. You'd be a good mob someday, honey, but... Oh, yeah? Yeah, you know how to lie to kids. <laughs> but it was also obvious that everyone else cast, crew and audience was having a thoroughly good time. There's nothing creepy, sleazy or cultish about the Evil Dead world. It's basically a series of cleverly devised extreme stunts with just one aim, to make you jump. Eeny, meeny, miny, you... And like all the best splatter drama perpetrators, right back to William Shakespeare's Macbeth and Titus Andronicus, Sam Raimi and Lee Cronin know you have to break up the mayhem with good doses of comedy. Well, this gag could have come straight from Hamlet's Gravedigger. Mum? Mummy's with the maggots now. In the end, as they say, it is what it is. A lot of fans have expressed their delight and relief at Evil Dead Rise. It does the job. And while there's no way that I'm going to use the phrase timeless classic to describe it, let alone I can't wait to see it again, that's because it's not talking to me. What's up, sis? I had the most beautiful dream. It was the perfect day. Will another evil dead rise from the ashes of this one? There are enough survivors, i.e. more than one, to support a sequel. Perhaps Bruce Campbell could turn up as a chainsaw repairer. And on that helpful suggestion, it's time to go. I'm Simon Morris and I hope you'll join me at the movies same time next week. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.